morning about what can happen if we would let Jesus work on us. John chapter 9, verse 1. Get there real quick here. Gospel of John, chapter 9 in the Bible. There's a great phrase here in chapter 9. It says this, And as Jesus passed by, Jesus passed by. There in your Bible, I want to say that this is a casual encounter. Jesus is passing by. He's not going specifically to somebody. It just says he's passing by somebody. And I want to say this. You're not here by accident. You may seem like you just found the bus and got on, amen? But I'll tell you this. Nothing happens by accident. And God just sometimes passes your way, and you ought to get it. You ought to... He ought to get your attention this morning. I pray that he does. Casual events in our lives are never accidents. As a matter of fact, they are, they are ordained by an infinitely wise and loving God. Just as much as earthquakes and volcanoes and storms and major disasters are attributed to God, the very fact that Jesus walks by a single solitary individual like the man we're about to read about this morning is awesome. Now, it's the week of Passover. Jerusalem is packed with tens of thousands of visiting Jews from all over the world. Over 100,000 sometimes would gather. It means that Jesus' final days are within view. Within these next few days, he's going to be on the cross and he will be dead. So what do you find him doing? Well, Jesus and his 12 disciples are walking through this city and they approach a blind beggar who is evidently well-known to have been blind from birth. Look at your Bible, John chapter 9 and verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. There he was sitting there begging for just a few coins to get through the day. And what's funny is, verse 2, and his disciples asked Jesus, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So they're in their... They, they meet this, they see this man born blind from his birth, and they're intrigued, and they've got this question, why? I hope you remember that. Because they did not realize just how many questions are going to be asked today, and even better, the answers that God was going to show them. So let's pray. Father, open our eyes. The whole wondrous things out of thy word help us to look at the darkness that may be, not just in the world, but in individuals this morning, people need to look and say, am I saved or am I still blind? Am I following my own ways or am I actually following Jesus? Is this just a religious duty or is it my love and my joy to be at church and to be with the brethren and to learn the word of God? Lord, here's a man that we need to learn from God, would you make it possible for every ear to be opened and hearing so that their eyes would be opened. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've got a man who was born blind. As I already read, let me read it again. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. So he's somewhere between 20 and 30 years old. His parents say he is of age, which means he's older than a child. He's been this way for a while. And what's amazing, the thing about it is he's born into an awful life. 
being completely blind from birth was, a, was an awful thing. There are lots of ways that are awful, but he had never, you think about what you take for granted. You have seen your children's faces. You have seen the color of the sky. You know what a sunset looks like. You know, you can, you can tell what yellow looks like. He has never seen anything like that. He's never been able to work one day in his life. He has not been able to pay any of his bills, so he's dependent from birth on somebody. I'm telling you, as a human, that's hard to live with. His parents knew that he would end up probably begging on some street corner someday, which is exactly where we find him in chapter 9. Now, these disciples are curious. And, I, you know, there's nothing wrong with asking why. A lot of people give up on asking questions. Don't stop asking questions unless you're Weston. He has overrun his limit a long time ago. <laughs> but asking why. Why was this guy born this way? Did he deserve it? Was this man a wicked sinner somehow in the womb? Maybe he had a twin brother he was punching while he was in the womb. How does he end up born blind? Maybe his parents did some awful sin and passed the consequences on to their son. Certainly there's no other alternative, right? Did you ever ask the why question about your circumstances? Did you ever wonder why? Why am I going through such things? Job asked that. It's not, it's not wrong to ask why. It's wrong to make up your own mind without finding out the real answer. Now, John chapter 3, Jesus has a way of talking, just blows away. Verse 3, and Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. What a way for Jesus to talk. Only he could do that. He confidently declares that disasters and hardships can actually be for good and can bring glory to God. Now, shock of all shocks, shock of all shocks, that, that such an offensive thing would be said. Does Jesus even care how offensive those words would be to this blind man? You're born blind, you've been living like this for maybe 30 years, and it's for good. He doesn't think so at that point. His disciples are shocked and going, wait a minute, do you realize how offensive that is? How that could upset everybody? You know, Jesus doesn't mind upsetting us because it's the truth that makes us free and realizing, you know what, Jesus is trying to tell them, guys, look, everything that has happened in his life is for today. Did you ever think about that? You say, you don't know what, I, what hell I've been through for the last two years. You don't know what I've had to put up with. I don't know what you've had to put up with, but if you'll let Jesus pass by, if you'll take a moment and realize he wants to do a work in you like he's going to do here, he will make it all worthwhile. Every person in this room needs to believe this scripture, that God can take every situation that is a disaster and bring glory to God and make it awesome for us. No matter what you're going through, it can be for good. If you would let Jesus just pass by your way and you'd say, uh, don't pass on, help me. So I like verse 4, Jesus gets to work. Look in verse 4. Jesus says, I must work the works of him that sent me. Who sent Jesus? God. I must do his works. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, Notice these words, I am the light of the world. Has this blind man ever seen light? 
And yet he says he's about to get some light. I am the light in this very dark world. And so he gets to work and he gets doing what only he could do, really, which says that he's doing what God does. By the way, he is God. And he gets doing it as the light of the world. He's not calling himself, he's not drawing attention to the great physician, even though he could heal. He's not attracting attention saying, I'm the great healer, but I am the light of the world. And what does he do? Verse 6, when he had spoken, he spat on the ground. <laughs> and he made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Now the man is there, he, he has no idea what he's listening to. He has no idea what's happening, and Jesus is mixing up. Again, there's no water fountains. He doesn't have a bottle of, of uh, Volvic or, uh, I don't know, some water bottle. So he's got to come up with some water somewhere. <laughs> you say you wouldn't do that. He's a man. Don't put it out. Come on. And he begins to mix that clay together with his hands, a bit of dirt, a little bit of dust, and he's, he works it into simple clay, and he reaches up and places it onto the eyes of the blind man. I wonder if he was shocked. <laughs> um, I, 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 I wonder if it just surprised him. Now, John records this touch as an anointing. I like how he says that. He says there in uh, verse 6, he says, and he anointed the eyes of the blind. So this wasn't painful. It probably wasn't uncomfortable. He gently placed the clay on those two blind eyes. Now, I wouldn't do such a thing. Don't ask, and by the way, don't even ask me to help you with a sickness or a disease. I'm running, amen, because I couldn't help you out the door. But here, Jesus, by the way, he can do anything because he's the Son of God. So well, let me just, can I stop you for a second? And when Jesus does something in your life, it will usually be something you didn't expect. And it may kind of embarrass you, but if he knows what he's doing, let him do it. Say, he spit on the ground, he took the dust of the ground and made it a bit of clay and then put it on somebody's eyes. And we know how it worked. You know what, if the Lord Jesus has a track record, has a history of never failing, I think I'll let him do whatever he wants in my life to help me. Amen? So... I wonder if he was glad that Jesus passed by yet. I mean, he just got clay smattered all over his eyes. Okay, well, what happens next? Well, I like just simple trusting faith. Look in verse 6 and 7. And when he had thus spoken, he uh, said it again, he spat on the ground, he made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. Well, he went his way, therefore, and washed, and underline these words, and came seeing. Now, look how the blind man reacts. The blind man doesn't know who Jesus is. We're going to find that out in just a moment. He's only heard of him. He knows his name and may have heard of some of his fame, but he doesn't, he doesn't call out like some people call out, and you read them in the Bible, that says, Jesus, thou son of God, thou, thou son of David, uh, uh, the Messiah, come, come to me, help me. He's not like that. He says he's just sitting there minding his own business. He has no idea really who Jesus is. Did you really understand who Jesus was when you first heard the gospel? Weren't we all pretty stupid when it came to understanding the Bible, when we came into church? I remember, folks, when I 
first was invited to church, and the pastor said, turn to John chapter 9. I'm holding the Bible upside down, <laughs> going, where is that? I never grew up in church. I didn't know. And so thank God for, for a Christian who wasn't afraid of embarrassing me and scooting over on the pew. It was a long pew. He scooted over there, and he showed me his Bible, and he says, he's right here, reading right here. And I didn't know, I didn't even know you could understand it in English. Here's this man, he's, he's, got, uh, he's got this guy named Jesus. And I'll tell you this, he's got some simple trusting faith. He trusts Jesus. He allows Jesus to touch his eyes. Would you let me touch your eyes? Now, we like each other. Amen? <laughs> Would you let me touch your eyes? Honestly? Oh, he's debating, isn't he? <laughs> you, think about how, you think about how sensitive the eyes are. I mean, I was weed whacking yesterday. You know what weed whacking is, you know, strimming through. And I saw this little flick of something headed up to my eye, and our eyes are so fast. I closed them and bing, thank God. Our eyes, we're very careful about protecting our eyes. And this guy feels this man put this stuff all over his eyes, and he just sits there. That's trust. Then he hears a simple command from Jesus. Then he hears a simple command from Jesus, go and wash your eyes in the pool of Siloam. It was nearby, it was just out the side of the city walls, and it had fresh water flowing through it, so it was clean, fresh water. And you got to think about it, he's got to find his way outside of the city. And so somebody helps him all go on their way. And, and what is unique, and don't, don't get away from the picture, Jesus now leaves. Jesus doesn't follow him out there, Jesus doesn't stay waiting. Jesus is gone, the man is going. He doesn't, he doesn't need anybody hovering over him. Something has happened, and he heads out there, and he washes his face, and he splashes on his eyes. Verse uh, 7 says, and he came seeing. This man, I can only imagine, came staggering slowly back to the place that he'd been begging just moments before. Can you imagine if you'd never seen and how you'd be going like this? Hard to breathe looking at people's faces, at the sky, at the ground. He, he, he's not breathing. He's just soaking it in. This is unbelievable. No longer does anybody have to take him by the hand. He is speechless. Here's a man who had never seen a face, never seen what the sky looked like or what dirt or sand looked like. He had never seen a bird fly overhead or what leaves blowing in the wind looked like. I guarantee you, as he's walking around, somebody who's been blind, he's looking at people straight in the eyes. They're going, he is no longer blind. This is no act. This is no charade. I guarantee you, at that moment, he was very glad that Jesus passed by. Oh, but he gets an interrogation. Look at verse 8. We'll read down to 33, and then I'll take you through some thoughts. Verse 8, the neighbors, therefore, and they which therefore had before had seen him that was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, Eh, he is like him. But he said, what did he say? That's me. <laughs> I am he. Therefore said they unto him, Well, how were thine eyes opened? He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and I washed and I received sight. 
Then said they unto him, where is he? And he said, I haven't a clue. <laughs> I, I, I don't see him. You know, when I got saved, I actually had somebody mock me. I took some gospel tracts to school. I was in my, uh, I was in my senior year, what you'd call your sixth year. And uh, I took gospel tracts with me, and I started handing out, inviting my friends out to church when school started. My pastor said, I ought to be a witness. I ought to be a light. I ought to take a stand. I ought to uh, uh, be, be somebody who gives the gospel out. So I started handing out gospel tracts to different people. I had somebody say, you believe in Jesus? Well, where is he? <laughs> I thought, I haven't a clue. I don't know. I just know what he did for me. He says, I don't know. Verse 13, they brought him next to the Pharisees that aforetime was blind. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. It was on the Sabbath day. Understand that for a moment. When Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. And he said unto them again, he repeats the same thing. He put clay on mine eyes and I washed and do see. Therefore, said some of the Pharisees, this man, Jesus, is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner, still speaking about Jesus, do such miracles? And there was division among them. They say unto the blind man again, what sayest thou of him, of Jesus? That he opened thine eyes, he said, but he's a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning Jesus that, uh, uh, that he had been blind, concerning, sorry, this man, that he had been blind and received his sight. He says, it's a trick. Until they now called his parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son, whom you say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son. I hope you'd know. <laughs> Can you imagine looking at little Josiah, Josiah there, and somebody says, Is this your son? You go, hey, he looks like him. I'm not sure. No. <laughs> his parents says, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind, but by what means he now seeth? We know not. Or who hath opened his eyes? We know not. He is of age? <laughs> Ask him. He'll speak for himself. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews, those Pharisee rulers. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise not to Jesus. We know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. And he, the blind man now seeing, answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Ever hear a song? Amazing grace. I once was blind, but now I see. I only know where it came from. Verse 26, Then said they to him again, What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? And he answered them, I have told you already, and ye did not hear. Wherefore would ye hear it again? Do you want me to tell the story again? Will you also be his disciples? He says, is this church or something? You want me just to keep telling the testimony? Amen. You know, a true sign of a church is we never get tired of hearing how people got saved. Amen. Say, we heard that last year. Oh, we heard it 17 times. I'll listen to it another 17. Amen. Will you be one of his disciples? Verse 28, and they reviled him. Whoa. And they said, thou art his disciple. But we are Moses' disciple. We know that God spake unto Moses as for this fellow. That's a good British term. The fellow. 
Yeah, be careful. That's right. We know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why, herein is a marvelous thing that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened thine eyes, mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. And since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? Have you ever heard of anybody being healed like this? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. Speaking of Jesus, then answer, uh, oh, I got to stop there for a moment. This man is now going to be just interrogated first by all of his acquaintances. Everybody that knows him begins to ask him, how this happen? What happened? What, 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 how come you can see? Then he's dragged to the religious leaders and the Pharisees, and they're demanding, what did he do? And they're actually implying that they keep asking, what did he do? Because they wanted to hear that Jesus did some witchcraft, maybe, or something evil. So isn't it funny? Jesus does something really crude, so it wouldn't look like magic. Then he's called, they call his parents, amen? And his parents are terrified because they've already said, if anybody says it's Jesus, we're kicking him out of the church. And they ask him again. I like, he says, you want to hear it again? I'd love to tell it again. It's awesome. We have a song, I love to tell the story of unthinkings above. Amen. Oh, my goodness. You know, um, too much to say. How would you handle it if you just got saved and everybody starts saying, how did it happen? You know, I don't know. <laughs> why, why do you love that Bible? I don't know. What, what do you mean you're going to church again on Sunday night? I don't know. I just want to be there. Amen? Don't ever be ashamed of the simple things that Christ has for us to do that look so out of step with the rest of the world, with the rest of religion, with the rest of the intelligentsia. How would you handle all the pressure? I know I didn't handle it very well. 17 years old at school, going to my, my last year in, in, in uh, sixth class and, and um, uh, trying to make a stand and just being mocked and belittled. Some of you have been paid a much higher price than I ever did. Well, we're in good company, amen? We're in good company. Well, you know what? He's cast out. <laughs> Look at verse 34. They answered and they said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins. So they're blaming his birth. They're saying, You're a sinner. You must have sinned from your birth. You've been born into sin. Find my spot here. And thus, and you think you're going to teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? Stop there for a second. Just want to show you the religious bigotry that is still in existence today. I've some of the, seen and been around some of the most, what you think are some of the most religious people, and you bring up being born again, you bring up a Bible verse, you talk about Jesus not like he's a cuss word, and they just want to bite your head off. That name Jesus does something to some people, doesn't it? Religious, religious bigotry is quite ripe and ready here. They hated Jesus, and they hated anything that Jesus touched. Here's a guy who's never done anything, and here they are throwing him out because Jesus touched him. If you've ever lost a friend, 
wherever, sort of that closest to your family or something, simply because Jesus passed by. Because he had an effect on you, and you just love the Bible, and you love people. You don't hate anybody. And somebody says, I want nothing to do with you. You know where it came from. That's today's culture. Mm. Today's culture and today's tolerant millennials will not accept any evidence for Jesus being the Messiah. I don't care how much stuff I show people about creation and about against evolution and show them about the, the authority and the, the, uh, the truth of the Bible and the prophecies and the history. doesn't matter how much I show them, I don't care. Here, remember what he was like when Jesus and his disciples found this blind man? Alone. By the wayside. Well, now he's back there. But do you think he's sad? Do you think that he's like, I wish Jesus had never passed by? (laughs) Do you know, you may have to go through times when everybody else is gone in your life. Everybody else just completely misunderstands you and and walks away from you. If you think you're alone, then you're not saved because you're not alone, folks. This church is proof that we're not alone. You know, verse 35 is great. When nobody's looking for him, nobody's trying to comfort him. Think about it. His parents won't stand with him. His neighbors won't stand with him. His own religion won't. Stand with him. Hmm. He stands alone, and he's glad to do it. Amen. Thank God for some Christians who don't mind being the only Christian on the job. Thank God for some Christians who at work or at school will stand, whether anybody else stands with them. But I like how he sought for, the verse 35, and Jesus, when, they heard they had, when he heard that they had cast him out, When he had found him, what was Jesus doing? Now he's looking for him. Here Jesus goes looking for the man. He said to him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? And I think that's, you know, this is the second time that Jesus happened to pass by. Jesus asks him one question. He says, Do you believe on the Son of God? Now to believe in Jesus is easy. Most everybody I talk to says, I believe in Jesus. You know what that means? I believe in airplanes. I believe in in gravity, and I believe, but they don't trust it. They don't understand it. They just just put it out there, put it on a shelf. They put it at church. They put it in a corner of their life, but they don't trust it. And to believe on is to fully trust, to fully accept Jesus for who he truly is. A lot of people only come to God to get what they need. Let me tell you, you don't come to God to get a thing. You come to God to get a person. And you got to trust him for who he is, whether he heals you, whether he makes you prosperous, whether he gives you a wife, whether he gives you kids, whether he moves you to, to your favorite holiday. Whatever God doesn't seem to do doesn't matter compared to who Jesus is. That's trusting on. Do you believe on the Son of God? And I like how he says this Keep going there in verse 36. And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? Now, that's a good response. He says, just point him out. (laughs) That's hungry faith, amen? I like it when people come to church and they sit down and they're ready for the preaching to start. 
They're saying, show me something. Tell me what I need to believe, and I'm ready to go. And he says, just, just point him out. And what does Jesus say? Keep going there in verse 37. And Jesus said to him, thou hast both seen him. What a great, that's kind of a sneaky way. You've actually got to see him. And it is he that talketh with thee. What's he saying? It's me. You know, Verse 38, and he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Just stop there for a minute there. It's me. Will you believe it? Now, what did Jesus look like? Like a little bit of clay. Jesus probably hadn't bathed in a week. A little aroma, body odor, a little scruffy looking, windblown hair, face, sunburnt. Dirt crusted in the crevices of his, of his fingers and toenails and fingernails. So when he looks at him, he says, if you're the son of God, I believe. Amen? Some people, they look for this, this blonde, blue-eyed, Aryan, painted, bourgeois, Brad Pitt look-alike. Yeah, that's the kind of Jesus you're looking for, and you're not going to find him in heaven. When you read in that Bible who Jesus really is, you need to come to the conclusion, well, that's him. And that's who I believe. Not the one that I manufacture, not the one that I think I pray to, not the one I like, but the one of who he is. And he says, I believe. No hesitation. <laughs> no hesitation at all. You see, this blindness, boy, just look at verse 38. This blindness, he says, I believe, and he worshipped him. Now, uh, these words, when he says, I believe, they mean nothing to you. And I find this. Are you ready, Andrew? We'll wait. <laughs> the words, I believe, mean, mean nothing to so many people. But they meant something to Jesus. The Ethiopian eunuch on the road going home, away from Jerusalem, sitting there looking in the scriptures, trying to find hope, trying to find a way to God. And Philip comes up to him and preaches unto him, Jesus. And there he says, okay, I want to get baptized. And Philip says, no way, Jose. It's in the original Greek there. No way, Jose. Anyway, he says, nope, not going to do it. Not unless you believe with all your heart. And there that eunuch stood up and he says, I believe, I believe, I believe that Jesus is the very son of God. And he says, okay, let's get in the water. Belief works, folks. A thief hanging on that cross next to Jesus, crying out, saying, get us down from here. You claim to be the son of God? Prove it! And Jesus just stays silent. But on the other side of that cross was another thief, a repeat offender, a menace to society. And that thief says, shut up over there! We deserve what we've got. But this man has done nothing amiss. Jesus, when you go into your kingdom and you're going, could you get me in too? I don't know what to believe, but I believe you. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me where? I believe will work every time. See, this blindness that's in our world is why Jesus came. Luke 5 says this, Jesus said unto them, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I am come not to call the righteous, but sinners. 
blind people, deaf, lepers. I'm come to call sinners to repentance. Jesus came to give light to those who live in darkness, Matthew 4, that quotes this, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun, which were tribes up in the northern, kingdom, northern area around Galilee, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light and saw Jesus. And to them which sat in the region in the shadow of death, light is sprung up. What a life-changing decision this man's belief was. Do you know what? As a poor, blind man, totally unable to do anything except believe, that was all he needed to do. Amen? You say, what do I have to do to be saved? Just believe. Good night. Why, why do we want to make it so complicated? If he did make it so complicated, most of us couldn't get in. Amen? You know what the man did? He fell at feet, Jesus' feet and began to worship him. How humiliating would that be publicly? Out in front of 100,000 people milling around, moving around. What is going on over there? <laughs> and he's holding on to Jesus and he's never going to let him go. He just thanking him and praising him. You know what church ought to be? Time with Jesus. It ought to show that you've come not to worship some icon or not to give your attention to some statue or some picture. And I put up these visuals because we're very visual. But this is not Jesus. This is just a guy acting like him. Let me tell you this. Your coming here ought to be so real that you just, you just want to meet with him. Because the Bible says we're just two or three are gathered in my name. I'll be there too. Worshipped him. They became Jesus' disciple, and his faith turned into a life of worship, discipleship, and joy, not just church on Sunday. Folks, we do more than this. Somebody once asked a, a man up in the Shetland Islands when they were having a great revival, and people were getting converted, and one of the newspaper reporters said, how do you know they're converted? He says, we'll see them at prayer meeting. Wow. See, just coming on Sunday is easy, folks. Come on, Wednesday night, we know. <laughs> they love it. That person loves Jesus, amen? Ah, you can be saved and be backslidden. I know all about that. But your life, if you've got faith in the Lord Jesus, like this man, it'll show, amen? What's your life like? What's your life like? Is it a disciple? Is it joy? Is it worship? Or is it, get out of my way? I think he was so glad that Jesus passed by. Would you agree? Look at verse 39 to 41. Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see. And that they which see actually might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? <laughs> Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now you say, We see just fine. Therefore, your sin remaineth. Jesus came as a judgment. He says, for judgment as I come, for a light, like turn the light on. Remember when your kids are arguing in the bedroom at night, you know, and it's dark, and you go in, you turn the light on so you can see what's going on, so you can discern what, what's, what's, what's wrong there. Now, you get over into your bed, you get over there, stop fighting, amen. Jesus says, I've come in to shine the light on this world and expose the sin and let people know they're blind. These, these, these Pharisees, at least some of them, have the courage to say, are you talking about us? I wish you'd ask that. 
Because I'm talking about some of you. I'm looking around the room. I mean it. I'm talking about some of you. You need to be looking out and saying, well, pastor, you preaching to me? And the answer is yes. yes. Are we blind out though? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And he says this. He says, your view of yourselves shows your spiritual condition. If you really were desperate to see and to know me and to know who I am, then you'd have no more sin. You could be forgiven. You'd be just like this man, free and a new man. If you would admit that you're lost and you're blind. You know what you have to do to be saved? Know that you're not. That's how we start. Well, I, I'm not that bad a person. You're not that good either. And when you finally figure out you'll never be good enough, you're going to have to start off and say, I guess I am blind. Good, now we can go to step two. Because if you're desperate to see, then you can be saved. But if you think you see just fine, like most of the people I meet on the door, I think uh, um, uh, Tony and somebody else was talking to some um, biochemical engineer. What was he? What was that guy at the door there in Cluro? biophysicist, a professor down at CIT or UCC and stuff. I met another guy who his head was bigger than the doorway. He was a biochemical engineer. He was trying to manipulate genes and all this stuff. And I got genes just fine at home. But he's trying to manipulate all that stuff and DNA and all these things. And you look at him and they just look at him and he goes, I'm fine. I'm just fine. And you look at him and he says, you have no idea. If you only knew how not fine you are, then you could be fine because you are blind and you will die in your sins. Here's the invitation. Are you blind also? Maybe you're blind to just who Jesus really is. Maybe he's just a religious man, or maybe he is the Son of God. You see, I've got news for you. What your church tells you Jesus is may not be the truth. How you've grown up thinking that Jesus and Mary and blessed John the Baptist, they're all, that's the Holy Trinity. <laughs> and, and all the things that you think you learned that came from the Bible, you need to come and read it for yourself and find out, is that really who Jesus is? Are you blind also to the fact that this whole world is a miracle of creation? Do you really look at me in the face and tell me you believe that this is one ungodly Almighty burp. That's what you think the universe is? One big pile of dirt. I don't think so. Maybe you're blind to just how lost you truly are before God. Arrogant, smart, religious, doomed. You cannot find God. I'll be new, I'll let me have let me open your eyes if I can briefly. You'll never find God. You'll not find him in science. You'll not find him in nature. You'll not find him in the stars. You'll not find him in yourself. He finds you. Somebody comes to your house, knocks on the door, hands you a gospel leaflet, and you throw it away. Jesus passed by that day. Somebody drags you, kicking and screaming, out to church to hear some Texan preach to you on a Sunday. And I'm not interested. Jesus passed by your way that day. Don't you dare say, well, God never cared about me. He cared when he got you here. 
He cared when your mom prayed for you and prayed over you and begged you to do right and begged you to learn about Jesus and begged you to believe on Jesus and you mocked it and you went off and lived in sin for the rest of your life. And you cry out to God in anger at him and say, where were you since I passed by? You're blind also. I'll tell you, a lot of people are blind to just how dark their future will be in the lake of fire. If you only knew just what was ahead. God has been good to pass by your way this morning. Do you even care? Today is probably, for somebody in this room, the only opportunity they may ever have for their eyes to be open, for them to be saved, for them to be born again. Today's your day. Don't be almost persuaded. You almost got me, Ledbetter. Ooh, you, you tugged in my heart. That wasn't me, by the way. If your heart has been touched, if your, if your emotions have been pulled, if your intellect has been broken, it was the Holy Spirit. Do not fight him. Because Jesus is passing by right now. Bow your head, please. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Deep from your heart of hearts, would you please cry out to Jesus, the Son of God, and beg him for the gift of eternal life. If there's no joy, if there's just drugs and pornography and... and fighting and scraping by and life is just suicidal, let me tell you, that's not how Jesus works. And it's dark in your heart of hearts where you not cry out and say, touch me. Save me, please. I didn't understand anything when I got saved. I just knew I didn't want to go to hell. I knew I deserved it. I knew that Jesus was God and that's it. I allowed him to be my Savior. 37 years ago this next Friday, I made that decision. I believe. Will you make that believe? Your eyes will be open. You will be different. You cannot have an encounter with Jesus Christ by faith without a change in you. Will you let him change you right now? Somebody would cry out to him, ask him to be saved. Father, I do pray what we've heard this morning will never be forgotten. That what this man experienced wasn't just for him. It was for every man, woman, and child in this room right now. That's why we have church right here in Balancholic to, to, to remind people you're still the same Jesus. And yes, you can heal the blind, but that's not why you came you came to heal our soul. You came to give sight where it is the darkest. You came to be, be light where it is the most awful dark. Lord, let it be shown by the love of the brethren. Let it just all of a sudden take place where we say, wow, I love this place. I love these people. I love this book. I even love this preacher because of what Jesus did for me. Lord, I pray, God, for every Christian in this room, take some courage from this man that whatever we're going through, we, were, we will be reminded if we just let it, it could be for good.
for God's glory, and we get the benefit. Let us stand.